Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community practicing the way of Jesus and thirsting for the life he gives. Good morning. How is everybody? There's a lot of folks who are unscathed from sickness here today. I, I got something this week. I had somebody tell me this morning that I look really tired. So that, that's kind of how my name is. I got sick early this week and am feeling much better, but I have like bloodshot eyes, so I got the zombie thing kind of going on this morning. But I'm here and I'm feeling good and I'm glad you're here. We have spent the last six Sundays looking at the life of David in the Old Testament. And we've been focusing on some of the ways that God shaped and formed David while David was waiting to become the next king. And today we're going to look at part of David's story where he receives some wise counsel that saves him from making a huge mistake. How many of you know that God can use wise counsel to shape and form us, right? There's a few people who know that. The re- that's, this is the perfect group to give this message to, see? There's only a couple people that know that wise counsel is one of the ways that God shapes and forms us. Um, a number of years ago, my family and I went through about a year of family counseling together. There was some family dynamics that we were wanting some help with. I have four kids, my wife Michelle, um, who's doing nursery today. Um, and we had some dynamics in our family. We were like, man, we really need some help with this. So... so we went and got counseling for about a year together, and, and each week the session would look different. You know, sometimes it would be me and my wife and one of our kids, or just be two of my kids and not the rest of us. We'd have to wait in the waiting room, and then, you know, the, the counselor would come out and say, okay, now it's your turn. So there, every week looked different. But there was one week in particular where, when all my kids were sent to the waiting room, and it was just my wife and I with the counselor, and, and um, he just asked me, Adam, how did the week go? And in my head, I'm thinking, okay, this is kind of a waste of time because it's all these people that need fixing right now. <laughs> You're asking me this question, but we've got an hour here. And, and, but, you know, I'm, I'm being a good sport. And so, so I answered, yeah, things are, things are fine. And there's a few blow-ups this week. You know, I, I saw a temper tantrum here and some other behaviors with my kids. They're being disrespectful a little bit over here. And kind of like, it was, it was a good week, though. And, and, and so he asked me more about that. And, and, and I said, yeah, I, my concern is, you know, my kids now, they're like 10, 11, um, you know, I see these behaviors, and, and, and I, I worry about them when they're 16, 17, 18, when they're driving. Because, you know, the tantrum I saw, like, if, if, if they're 17 and have that, and they get behind a wheel of a car, they can get in a car wreck. Or they could be at their job and get fired for telling off their boss, right? And so I'm, I'm, wor- I'm worried about that. And, and the counselor looked at me, and he did a counselor thing. He just kind of, like, mm, tilted his head a little bit. And, and he looked at me, and he said, Adam, you seem to project your kid's future a lot. Why do you think that is? And I said, well, it's because of my job as a parent is to get my kids ready for adulthood. You know, I want them to be successful when they become adults, and I'm, I'm wor- worried about these behaviors, you know, uh, uh, developing a certain way. And, and, and he just paused, and he looked at me, and, and he asked me this, <laughs> this question. Adam, are you the same person now that you were when you were... 11. I was like, ooh, 
like a, like a hammer right to the head, right? Boom, like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not. And, and that question, that perspective that he offered me in that moment shaped me. Like, it was, it was a life-changing moment for me. It, it decompressed me. It helped me relax a little bit. It helped me to be more patient and realize, yeah, like, my kids aren't, they're, they're, they're 11, they're 10. They, they have a lot of development and growth to do. Why am I projecting this behavior into their adulthood? And it gave me a, a, a settledness and a lot of more patience and graciousness with my kid. Kids, and, I, and I'm so thankful for that perspective that otherwise I might not have gotten. And we're going to see today in David's story that he received some wise counsel that did that for him, that really changed his life. It, it, it changed the tra- trajectory of his life. And so let's go to some scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 25. We're going to read, and we're going to read the first few verses here. It says this, Now Samuel died. And all Israel gathered for his funeral. They buried him at his house in Ramah. Then David moved down to the wilderness of Maon. There was a wealthy man from Maon who owned property near the town of Carmel. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. And it was sheep shearing time. This man's name was Nabal. And his wife, Abigail, was a sensible and beautiful woman. But Nabal, a descendant of Caleb, was crude and mean in all of his dealings. And so we have to take a quick pause here after these few verses because there's a lot in these two verses that inform the rest of this chapter and the rest of the story. And what we're told in these first two views, first two verses is that Samuel has died. And remember, it was the prophet Samuel who anointed David to be the next king when David was just 15 years old. So Samuel anoints David to be king when he's 15. Now it's many years later. And David, at this point, he's on the run from King Saul because King Saul's trying to kill him. He feels threatened by him. And, And David is wandering in the desert and he's hiding out in caves. And things had not turned out the way David expected. And now we're told the person who anointed David to be the next king is dead. And and this had to be disconcerting for David. Maybe David's thinking to himself, like, whoa, like things have not turned out the the way that I thought over these years, and the the one person who anointed me to be king, now he's dead. And and what what if me being king, that dream died with him? He's wandering in the wilderness and living in caves. And so... We're told that David goes to the wilderness of Maon, which is also called Paran in the Old Testament. It's, it's the Hebrew word for it. Now, this was the same place, the same wilderness, the same desert that David's ancestors had wandered in for 40 years. After Moses rescues the Hebrew people from Egyptian bondage, they were told that they wander in this wilderness of Paran, of Maon. For 40 years they wandered there. This is where the Hebrew people, they missed their chance to go into the promised land. And then later on, um, they go against Moses' counsel and they decide to go to war against the Amalekites on their own and they get completely defeated. 
And it's after that battle that for 40 years they have to just wander around in this desert wilderness. And, and it's the same place that David's wandering in now. And so fast forward back to 1 Samuel chapter 25. David finds himself... He's following in the same footsteps of his ancestors, about to make the same mistakes that they made, because David, too, is feeling like maybe he missed his window. You know, he had a couple opportunities to take out Saul, and he didn't. He just trusted God, but now Samuel's dead. Now he's wandering. Now he's wondering, man, did, did I miss my shot? Did I miss my window? And he's lacking clarity about his future. Uh, he's agitated, he's upset, he's a little disillusioned. David is not in a good place. He's not in a good place. And how many of you know that when, when you're not in a good place, it's really hard to make good choices and good decisions, right? When you're not in a good place and you're lacking clarity and you're agitated and you're disillusioned and you're upset, it becomes much harder to make good decisions. And to make things worse for David, We're told that this guy comes along named Nabal, and he's going to push all David's buttons. And in the following verses, we're told this, that that David reaches out to this guy Nabal, who's quite wealthy, and he asks Nabal for some provisions for he and his men. And, and, And he essentially says this to Nabal, hey, look, your shepherds are out in their fields, and my guys are out there protecting them from bandits and, and raiders and robbers. Uh, would you return the favor and, and give me and my men some provisions? And Nabal refuses to be generous or gracious, um, show any gratitude to David. Instead, Nabal decides to insult David. And he says this in verse 10. Nabal says this about David. Who is this fellow David? Nabal sneered to the young men. Who does this son of Jesse think he is? Should I take my bread and my water and my meat and give it to a band of outlaws who come from who knows where? Now, here's the thing. Nabal knew full well who David was. This is ancient world smack talk, right? It's the modern day equivalent of of a Twitter feud where you say, who are you again? Right? When somebody like, says something disparaging toward you, you're like, who are you? That, that's what Nabal's doing to David here. And, and under normal conditions, maybe David is patient enough just to let it roll off his back. You know when somebody says something disparaging to you and you're in a good place, you can like, I'll just let that roll off my back. I, I don't. But if you're not in a good place and somebody pushes your buttons, what usually happens? Right? And these aren't normal conditions for David. He's not in a good place. Samuel's dead. He's been wandering around for for years in the wilderness, feeling lost, just like his ancestors, probably thinking he missed his window. And maybe David was even experiencing regret. We don't know. But we know this. We know he's agitated, and we know he decides to retaliate. And so he convinces 400 of his friends to pick up swords, and they're going to go get revenge on Nabal. They're going to go teach him a lesson. And one of David's friends, out of these 400 that are with him, it's actually 600 with him, 200 stay, 400 pick up swords to go with David. But one decides to go find Nabal's wife, Abigail, and let her know that David and his men are coming, and they're coming with some violent ideas, (laughs) that they are going to get vengeance. And Abigail, we're told in Scripture, 
in 1 Samuel 25, prevents a major disaster. And we're told that she meets David, she goes out and meets him before he arrives. And she brings all the provisions that he and his men need. And, and she apologizes for her husband's foolishness, right? For, for him mistreating David and insulting him. And then she humbly offers him some, some perspective. She humbly offers David some counsel. And it's very wise counsel. And we read it in verse 29 of this chapter where she says this to him. Even when you are chased by those who seek to kill you, she's speaking of King Saul trying to kill him, right? Your life is safe in the care of the Lord your God, secure in his treasure pouch. But the lives of your enemies will disappear like stones shot from a sling. When the Lord has done all that he promised and has made you leader of Israel, don't let this be a blemish on your record. Then your conscience won't have to bear the staggering burden of needless bloodshed and vengeance. And when the Lord has done these great things for you, please remember me, your servant. So the first thing that Abigail does is she makes it clear that her and her husband do in fact know who David is. Right, Because then she rehearses David's story of how God had been with him all along the way, how God has been protecting him from King Saul, who's trying to kill him. And, and she even says this, she throws in this line that your enemies will disappear like stones shot from a sling. And that, of course, is a Goliath reference, right? Because David shot a stone from his sling to kill. So she, she knows who this is. And she's telling him how, how God has been with him, how he's anointed to be the next king, and everybody knows it. And then she gets a little bold, and she humbly and graciously offers him some counsel. And she says this, don't let this be a blemish on your record. She goes on to say, if you do retaliate in anger, that there's two things that are going to happen to you, David. One, your conscience will have to bear a staggering burden. And two, your, your reputation is going to be one of needless bloodshed and violence and vengeance. And, it, and it's not just the counsel that she gives him, it's the way she gives the counsel that stops David in his tracks. In, in the next verse, it says this, David replied to Abigail, praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you to meet me today. Look at verse 33, thank God for your good sense. Bless you for keeping me from murder and from carrying out vengeance with my own hands. For I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, who has kept me from hurting you, that if you had not hurried out to meet me, not one of Nabal's men would still be alive tomorrow morning. And then David accepted her present and told her, return home in peace. I have heard what you said. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever had someone in your life give you advice or a new perspective on something that you really needed. Or maybe there have been times when you wished someone would have spoken to your life, where you wish you had someone who was wise in your life who would have graciously and humbly submitted something to you, maybe a new perspective or a new way to look at something or, or, or some, some advice that you, you would have really appreciated. See, I think this, that we all need people in our lives like that from time to time. Right? We all need people who can graciously and humbly approach us with some perspective that we need. 
because that's one of the ways that God shapes us and forms us. But there's a few challenges that come with that, right? One, we have to listen, right? Because <laughs> if somebody offers you a new perspective or, or wise advice or counsel, it doesn't matter how good that advice is or counsel is if you're not listening, right? So you have to, you have to be willing to listen. That's, that's one challenge. Two, sometimes it's hard for us to discern between good counsel and bad counsel, right? After all, here we, we read this story. David is fired up and wants vengeance, and he convinces 400 of his friends to pick up swords and join him. So all 400 of these friends are, are with David. They agreed with David's perspective. They're probably echoing what he's thinking, like, David, you have every right to go get this guy. Like, you, you got to show this guy who's boss. You can't let him get away with disrespecting you like that. You, you got you to, gotta, let's go do this. Now, this doesn't make David's friends bad friends, right? It, they were just too close to him and too close to the situation to give David the perspective that he really needed. They were too close to him. They were taking the offense for themselves, right? And sometimes, you know, the people in our lives who are close to us can't give us the perspective we need. And that's not to say that good friends can't give good advice. I, I've had lots of good advice from friends over the years. But there are certain times in our lives where we need something more. More than the support and advice that, that our friends could offer us. And there are times where it can be helpful to get an outside perspective, Right, a professional counselor, someone who, who's, who's not in our inner circle of friends, someone who's trained and skilled at asking us good questions, who's willing to discern with us and to help us process stuff. And unfortunately, and it's sad to say this, but unfortunately in, in a lot of circles of church and Christianity, there's a stigma associated with seeking professional counseling. And I think the place that comes from is this false narrative, this, this false notion that, that God's word should be enough for us. The Holy Spirit, the great counselor, should be enough for us. We don't need professional counseling. We've got, we've got the Bible. We've got God's word. Um, but here's the thing. All you have to do is read God's word just for a hot minute, and you find out and you discover that counsel is one of the ways God shapes and forms us, that this this story like we're reading here about Abigail and David, there are Bible full of Bible stories all throughout the Bible where God uses someone to speak good sense, to ask good questions, to speak counsel and wise advice to people, to God's people that, that change the direction of their lives and, and bring the encouragement or the challenge that they need. So, so we have to be careful that we're not duped into that false narrative that, that seeking counsel somehow demonstrates a lack of faith. It does not. All you have to do is read scripture and find, find that to be true. Wise counsel is one of the one things that God uses to shape and form us. I'm going to invite Lydia Cook up, and she's going to share a, a little story with us about uh, her, one of her experiences with getting some wise counsel. So, yeah, I got to receive um, wise counsel during a very formative season in my life um, while I was trying out my first career. Uh, I was a fresh new teacher working what was a highly demanding job. 
and putting in many, many hours and really just feeling defeated by the amount of stress that I was under, as I'm sure many of you have experienced in other settings. Um, not only was the job stressful, but I could feel that I was carrying the weight of something a lot heavier and was hearing that back from my friends and hearing that from people around me and just really feeling it. Um, and I had discovered that counseling was an option like years earlier, so um, had been in and out of that and received a lot of help. Um, but the counselor that I was able to see during this time um, named what I was experiencing as a common phenomenon called performance anxiety, um, which is really just my fear about being uh, my own ability to perform a specific task. In this case, for me, it was teaching. And I had had many friends and coworkers reflect the essence of this back to me before. Lydia, you're being really hard on yourself. But in the safety of, of professional counseling relationship where trust is built and time is devoted wholly to healing an emotional part the way a doctor would help us heal a physical part of our bodies, I was able to process my own fears of performance and failure and begin to move through them. Side note, I eventually discovered through another counselor two years later that I don't even like teaching. Um, so that's kind of funny. <laughs> uh, not classroom teaching anyway. Uh, I've since moved on to explore other paths. Um, but the wise counsel that I received while I was in that season shaped and formed me to step out of the shame of my lacking performance or fear of failure and into the work that God is actually asking me to do, like deciding whether or not I'm best suited to a particular job. I get to choose that. Because of this wise counsel, I left behind a career that was sucking the joy and life out of me that I was not made for, um, even though it was a good season to go through, and into callings that I am much better suited for. Thanks for sharing that, Lydia. Let, let, me, let me close with this. Maybe you find yourself today in a similar place that David was in this story that you're wandering in your own type of wilderness, right? Maybe you're lacking some clarity around something in your life, or you're feeling a little worn down or de defeated or disillusioned. Maybe there's something in your life that's just really distressing and you're not sure what to do with it. I want to encourage you to not discount or dismiss wise professional counseling. Now, I need to tell you, I am not a professional counselor. I'm a pastor. And sometimes I get asked to step into that role where we're, you know, a pastoral counselor role, but I'm not a counselor. I don't have the skill set or the training to, to offer counsel. What I can do as a pastor is I can pray for you. I can, I can offer pastoral care. But, but I try to stay away from giving too much counsel because I don't have the training needed, so, so I stay away from it. But I can tell you this. One of the ways God shapes and forms us is through wise counsel. And there's a network of, of, of counselors in our area or region who are really skilled and gifted. And so as a pastor, sometimes when people come to me for counsel, I'll say, hey, let me get you in touch with, with this, this person or this person who's networked a bunch, a bunch of these wise counselors who can maybe help you discern this. And, and I, I guess like my hope this morning and, and the reason that I, we're looking at this passage of Scripture today is my hope is to show you the value of that and maybe lessen the stigma that often comes uh, with it in Christian circles. You know, that, that hey, we were, if you're a Christian, you don't, need, you don't need to seek counsel. God's everything you need. That God's scripture is all the counsel you need. Like, even when you read scripture, you find that's not true. 
right? That God brings people in our lives, wise professional counsel. God brought Abigail to David's life to spare him from a huge mistake and to give him clarity around something that he really needed clarity when he was in a really rough spat, patch. And, and guess what? There's times in your, your life and in my life when we're there, where we're in that wilderness of Moan, just wandering around, like needing clarity, needing, needing um, somebody who can come with grace and with humility and, and help us process and submit questions and thoughts and, and work with us, right? And so can I just pray for us before we close with worship and singing? Is that okay? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I for one, and I'm sure my friends in this room here as well, can, can resonate with David's story here. Of how sometimes there's, there's, we get to places in our lives where things are not going the way we thought they would, and um, we're just wandering around in a wilderness, and we're not quite sure how to get out of it, and, and we want to suck it up and be tough and, and, and get through it, but Lord, honestly, there's sometimes where we just, we, we really don't know what to do. God, I'm so thankful that you give counsel in Scripture and that there's stories of, of your people getting counsel, wise counsel, from skilled, skilled people. And Lord, I, there's a stigma in, among churches and among Christianity that, that seeking counsel is, is, um, demonstrates a lack of faith. And, and Lord, we know that's not true, so we name that false narrative and, and just expose it. And I pray for my friends here who maybe are feeling all that. Maybe they're in that wilderness this morning and they're just trying to discern um, relationships or their future, what Lydia shared about a career, or, or maybe th there's other things that they, they, they need um, a, a gracious, humble voice to, to process with them. Lord, I pray that, that you would give them the courage to grab a hold of the truth that counsel, wise counsel, is one of the ways that you shape and form us. So God, would you give us all the awareness to recognize that and, to, and the courage to, to seek it out when we're in need of it. Lord, we, we, we want to listen to your spirit and listen to your word. And when we read scriptures like this, sometimes they're really challenging Sometimes they're comforting, and, and Lord, that's the work that you do, and we pray that you would continue to speak to us even after we close this, this gathering today. And we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't we stand up and we'll sing together. You're listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at www.wellchurchvt.com.